Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 203 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was Matt Pike with Alien Slut Mum. That's off of his new solo record called Pike vs. The Automaton. It's due for release on February 18th via Monarch Heavy. Um, You obviously will know Matt Pike from his Grammy award-winning trio High on Fire. Did you know High on Fire won a Grammy? I think I did know that at one point, but I forgot. And when I read it again, I went, that's awesome. Even though, you know, the Grammys are kind of bullshit, it's still pretty cool when uh, a really cool band like High on Fire gets recognized that way. Of course, you also know Matt Pike from Sleep. Uh, Some people argue that Sleep is better than High on Fire. Those people are wrong. High on Fire, one of the best metal bands of all time. Yeah, I said it, and I mean it. I'm not sure why he needs to do a solo record. It's probably him and two other guys again. You know, that's his thing, trios, and I'm sure it's going to be awesome. It sounds a little bit different from his other stuff. A few things mixed in there that I wasn't expecting, but I like it. And now I'm looking forward to Pike vs. The Automaton. Though if you work in the printing world, you would know that The Automaton is actually just a uh, mounting machine. So maybe he's talking about mounting 24-point SBS to 18-point SBS. You know? Well, maybe he's not. Maybe it has nothing to do with printing. Maybe it's not uh, putting um, 90-pound stock to B-flute corrugate and having it die cut on the young shin. Maybe they're not talking about any of that stuff. But uh, maybe he is. Maybe that's the whole album. It's a concept album about printing large format uh, point of purchase displays. I don't know. I doubt it. But it could be. Anyway, what's happening on this episode? Well, on this episode, I have an interview with Gary Mater from I Hate God. Louisiana Sludge Legends. Whether they like being called sludge or not, not up to me. That's what they're called. Um, yeah, it was cool to have a t- chat with him and... Uh, I should let you listen to it. And we're going to do that. I promise you. So let's just do it. Intro song. Now. Hot zone. Let's do it. Damn, what's good all you bitches and bitches? It's the illustrious hot zone. Back at it again with another podcast intro. He said, oh, you want to do a podcast intro for the Getting It Out podcast? He said, oh, shit, I got to write a rap first, don't I? He said, no, you don't got to write a rap first. Hardcore podcast said, all right, I think I can maybe make that happen. Let's see what we can do. Kick it. Make family out of friends. Make friends out of enemies. Peace to my family. Make friends till they bury me. All the places we've been. We're never sitting it out. We be getting it in. Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been. We're never sitting it out. We'll be getting it in. Where you getting it out? Alright motherfuckers, you're in the right place at the right time. Rest in peace, J Money, and LFTW forever. 
All right, so here we are. I just released uh, the Genocide Pact episode uh, like 12 hours ago. But I right after I did that, I made a post saying if the Saints could keep Tom Brady under 10 fantasy football points, I would post this I Hate God episode. And uh, much to my delight, that happened. Like They, they had him like 4.76 fantasy points. For people who don't give a shit about sports, specifically fantasy sports, you're like, dude, who gives a fuck? That is lame. Why are you even telling us? Well, because I'm in the playoffs right now, baby, and I needed him to be kept under because that's who I'm playing against, and it really went in my favor. But the problem is now i got to do a podcast episode that I wasn't really ready for. So I'm doing it right now uh, over my lunch break. I just went for a walk around the neighborhood. Like I do, I do these brief walks, but especially now because it's really cold. Um, it's like 34 degrees, so I took like a 15-minute walk around my around the block, you know. And uh, it was a decent stroll, although I just have a, I have a freshly shaved head, and that's very cold without a hat. It's very cold to have a freshly shaved head uh, where you just skin and air, and uh, it's not comfortable. I don't like it one bit. Anyway, I walked around the neighborhood, and I noticed a car pull up to a house, and not quite into the driveway, but in front of it, just diagonal in the street-like, and it was a white Mercedes. And this guy popped out with some bags in his hand. He ran up and he put them on the front porch of someone's house, rang the doorbell, got back in the car, and then he sat there and waited until the person opened their front door and took the bags of food and and, uh, and it left. I assume it was food. Maybe it was drugs. But most likely it was food. Most likely this person is doing Grubhub, DoorDash, one of those things. And that's fine, right? I get that. But he's also driving a white Mercedes. And uh, I think I've mentioned this before. When a guy in a Mercedes had to pick me up when I was sweaty after a 10-mile run, I had to get home quick to take a poop, and I couldn't manage to run the rest of the way, so I had to call or, or order an Uber, and uh, he had a really nice car. And it's a thing, like, I think if you have these really nice cars, um, you probably don't want to be doing chores in them. I just think it seems irresponsible that to have a nice car and be doing DoorDash. I think your priorities are out of whack. I think you could stop doing DoorDash if you go with the uh, a reliable Hyundai Elantra. I've been driving mine for almost, well, I don't know how many years, but it's 12 years old at this point. And it's uh, a piece of shit, but it works, right? And I'm going to ride this thing till the wheels fall off or my first kid turns 16. That's the plan, right? And uh, you're not going to see me delivering DoorDash. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just not doing it, all right? I can't be bought. I don't like I don't like driving my car more than once a day. It's kind of a rule uh, that I have. Usually, you got to drive it twice, though. If you drive it someplace, you got to bring it back. So I don't like driving my car more than twice a day. How about that? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna add a, add a trip. And uh, I don't want to be driving around for other people. That's another thing. I guess that's pride. I don't know what it is, but. I don't have a lot of pride because it is a shitty 2010 Hyundai Elantra. The other day, my basketball hoop fell on it. The wind blew over my basketball hoop because I keep it parked like right in front of it. And uh, for some reason, my basketball hoop keeps losing the water in the in the in the tank that keeps it grounded. And when a windstorm comes by, it knocks it over, and the the fucking thing fell right on my car the other day. And you know how I felt about that? I didn't really care. Who cares? Now I got <laughs> I got marks. On both sides of the car, from the where the rim hit on one side and where the pole hit on the other, and it's just another ding on the old uh, Hyundai Elantra. But you know what? Still runs fine. 
still runs fine. And that's okay with me. And it's got a CD player. You know they make cars without CD players? That's ridiculous. I remember when they started making cars with CD players and we were all happy. And now people are excited to get rid of them? That doesn't make any sense to me. What are you going to do? You're going to stream your music forever? I guess you will. I guess we are. I guess you're streaming this, huh? I should put podcasts on a CD. I wonder if anybody would buy that. I doubt it. But I think there are some people who might buy podcasts on CD. And uh, those people are crazy. And those are the people that I like. And those are the people that I know appreciate music and the physical part of musical releases. And hey, how about a band who's put out quite a few physical records? I hate God. That's who I'm talking about on this episode of Getting It Out Podcast. Great transition. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm talking to Gary Mater of I Hate God. And uh, they were on tour with Napalm Death and Guar at the time of this interview. And uh, that's very cool. Hope you got to see that somewhere out there in the United States. And, uh, well, we talked about it a little bit. They'll be going to Europe soon. Not too soon. Um, and you know what? Rather than me recapping the interview before you listen to it, how about I just play you a song from I Hate God? A song from A History of Nomadic Behavior, which, by the way, came out this year, in case you forgot. It was back in March, so a lot of people have already forgotten that. But we're going to play you a song from A History of Nomadic Behavior. It's going to be Built Beneath the Lies, which is the lead-off track on A History of Nomadic Behavior. So it's going to lead off this interview, so check it out, and then listen to my conversation with Gary. <laughs>
wasn't the first time amid COVID, was it? No, we did a tour in in September. We did like a it just wasn't really a, it was like a ten day tour. It was, um, it was like three shows with Gore and uh, and Madball, and and then we did like uh, I guess the rest of the shows were headlining shows. So that was a, um, that was our first step back into it. Hmm. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Those are cool good to be shows. back out for sure. Those are cool shows, and I, I it may, it's something that I've always appreciated about I Hate God is like just the fact that you were doing shows with Guar and Madball, like the difference of of <laughs> of those two bands. Because I used to I used to live in Baltimore, right? And I don't know if it's still the case, but you guys used to work a lot with Zach Oler, who lived in Baltimore. And uh, so, there, is that still the case? Yeah, that's still he's still our dude, man. <laughs> yeah, so so you guys would always play these shows there. And it was like these, like to me, it seemed like these super lineup shows where, like, it would just be, it would be like I Hate God, and then whoever, from what I remember being told, it was like from, and whoever you guys wanted to play that day, and uh, it was, it was very cool, and it felt like I got to see you guys a lot in that time period, and uh, that was awesome. And I, but I always, but my point is, I always uh, like appreciated the the diversity of the bands that you guys were willing to play with. Well, yeah, I think that just comes from us being. I mean, a, a, like a pure rock and roll band, you know. Like I feel like, even though we're we're you know different from Gore, we're different from Black Label Society, we're different from Negative Approach from all these bands. But at the core, you know, we're just a rock and roll band. So it, it kind of makes it easy for us to do tours with bands that you know most people are like. Whoa, that's kind of a stretch. But to us, it's not really. It ain't. It's not so much of a stretch, you know. Yeah, 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 no, no, it's that's great. I totally appreciate it. Um, but you did get, you did get to go out and play quite a few days, probably more than most bands have done in the last two years, um, just on what you were able to. What was the, uh, or I don't know, was there anything more, more frustrating or even surprising about touring since COVID than than prior? There wasn't anything that we didn't expect, as far as it being. Uh, super different you know like the new normal kind yeah. of thing you know like i don't know uh that touring like we used to will ever be it'll, it'll ever be like that again but <clears throat> all things considered there wasn't too much that was out of the ordinary you know like we kind of knew going into this that uh gore in particular had their own uh protocol for how to keep the tour safe and then there was the clubs we were playing in depending on the city we were in mm -hmm. You know, we're worried about uh, having us take a test before we even played the show. Um, you know, of course, masks were like almost everywhere, which is kind of common sense because it's really not that big of a deal to wear a mask, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, there was nothing that we didn't expect, you know. Like, we kind of expected the worst and hoped for the best is kind of the, the way we try to look at it, you know. We, we know that... Um, that going out and touring right now is kind of, you know, kind of risky as far as 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 what you could pull off successfully. Because mm -hmm. just like what happened to us, you know, we got five weeks into this thing, which was great. You know, to me that's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. none of us got sick during that time. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm thankful we got through the five weeks, and it's a bummer that you know that we ran into into the problems that we did, but. Again, you know, you got to, in the back of your head, you have to anticipate there being uh, some things different and and not necessarily in your favor. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, and it's funny. Like, yeah, we um, keep rolling. If you, if you wait for it to, uh, 
to go back to the way it was, I you might be waiting for a long time because who the fuck knows what's going on right now? You know, and <laughs> there's so much stupid uncertainty about it all that uh, it's good on you guys for just getting the hell out there and doing your thing and uh, dealing with it the best you can. Sounds like it went. Pre- I'd, I'd say I'd say five weeks is a, is a success at this point. I, I count it as a total success, you know, because yeah. I mean you're talking about us, Napalm, Gore. It's like a big tour party. And for us to have gone that far and 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 not run into any problems, you know, that were significant was pretty amazing to me. And it's still disappointing, you know, because we only had three more weeks left of it. But yeah. you can't you can't think like that. You have to think about what you can do, you know, and, and I think that the important thing too is that we rolled out without having any kind of fear of anything. You just gotta you, you have to put yourself out there. You can't wait for things to be okay because like you said when are things really going to be okay you know yeah so it comes down to a decision of, of whether or not you want to you want to live and, and and go and have fun or if you want to live in fear <laughs> <laughs> which that's not really what we're about have you know did you notice any sort of um like apprehension among the crowds at your shows to really enjoy the, like did, is is the is it palpable, like the the fact that we were coming or living in this new thing, or is it just, does it feel like a, a a normal I hate God gig? There were some gigs that were really strange, um, like the rules. Just it, I mean, it kind of it makes sure that you're that you're thinking about it all the time. <laughs> you know, like one place we played, and I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that the precautions that anybody takes are, are wrong, um, but. You know, like in, in one club, it, there's a, you know, science says uh, you got to keep your mask on in between in, in between sips of your drink. <laughs> and it's like, dude, like what's what's the purpose of going to a bar if, if you're just playing with your mask the whole time, you know? <laughs> so, you know, there's that extreme of it. And then there's the gore extreme of it, which is now there's precautions taken. Like there's, you know, they need fax cards at the door and and or um or proof of a negative test but <clears throat> the audience for gore could give a fuck <laughs> i mean i don't mean that like they don't give a fuck like like they're not worried about anything but i mean they got there's like blood squirting everywhere it's fucking you know everybody's just having a good time and it really didn't seem like for most of the tour that people really gave a shit i mean i think that everybody is into the precautions and and you know, trying to be a little bit safer than usual, but the vibe that I got from like most of our shows was that people are ready to have fun, and yeah. and that's a good thing. You know, you gotta you gotta let go of of, of all the crap that's going on around us. You know, it's, you can enjoy your life for a second. Well, that's it's, it's, a gig. it's true what you said about <laughs> about Guar. They're about as interactive as it gets, at least <laughs> you know, in in certain crowds. And uh, yeah, that'd be hard to. It, it'd be weird to go to a Guar show and just have it uh, be I don't know anything but a Guar show. So <laughs> I'm glad people are still out there going out and getting into it. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, this is a Guar and Napalm Death. I hate God. That's a hell of a lineup. Is that something that you guys? Uh, had planned for a while or was this just something that came about while trying to find a tour to get out of this COVID? I think, well, right before COVID, we were doing a tour with Napalm in, uh, in Europe. Mm-hmm. And so that was the last tour we did before, <clears throat> before everything shut down. 
And then the next thing that we had slated, because <clears throat> we weren't going to stop touring, uh, um, you know, <laughs> COVID's the reason that we stopped and finished our record pretty much. <laughs> but anyway, so the, the tour we had uh, that was supposed to happen right after we got home from Europe was supposed to be with Napalm Death as the headliner and it just us, us two doing the tour. Yeah. And, you know, once COVID had then everything kind of fell apart. And then when the planning came back together for the tour, uh, it was with Gore as the headliner and, uh, and Napalm as, as direct support, which is, it, it was a fun tour, man. I, I had a blast because I love Napalm Death. I grew up watching Gore, you know, like in, in the late 80s. So it was somewhat nostalgic, you know, it was, it was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I really dig a, like, Napalm is just a fucking blast to watch every night, too, because they're just such a fucking powerhouse. They do, and they don't stop. They don't, they don't stop doing anything. <laughs> like, they keep they continue to tour. They continue to release records. Like, I just got a, a press email yesterday about how they're putting out a mini-album now. It's like, holy shit, they just put out, like, you know, I, I guess it was last year, but they just put out, you know, what many people considered the record of the year last year, and then they're like, all right, hold on, here's another mini-album, and I'm sure there'll be another record following that, and then there's going to be tour after tour after tour. Quite a bit different from the I Hate God approach as far as releasing music. <laughs> but, but you did yeah, mention... Yeah, we do exist as a... <laughs> you did mention that yeah. you, you you put out a, a record, you finished a record and put out A History of Nomadic Behavior. That was that was earlier this year, which seems like fucking forever uh-huh. ago. Um, it was like it's a six or seven year gap, I think, since our last record. Yeah, yeah, it was like 2014 <laughs> was like the self titled, and before that, it was like I don't know how many years. Um, <laughs> but I, and I know you you do other things. Like I know there's the seven, like the New Orleans is a new Vietnam that you did with A three eight nine records, like the, like that that track. There's some splits. There's other things, but um, but this is the first album in a while. How was how was the album? affected by the pandemic I, you mentioned that it caused you to finish it was it in production before that happened yeah we've been writing we had been writing this record since i mean right after well i don't say right after the uh i'd say like maybe a year after um the self-titled one came out we started writing for this record and that's just kind of how we do we just kind of write along the way mm-hmm. um and in between that time um a lot happened, you know, like, uh, uh, Brian left the band, which, I mean, he's been in the band forever, dude, and then he was a significant contributor to everything that we were doing, and, um, and, uh, and, and Joey passed, man, so, yeah. that was a, I mean, two, two huge hits for us, so, um, it was just me, Jimmy, and Aaron, <laughs> just, uh, we, we just get together and, and, and jam and put together some riffs, and, over the course of six or seven years, we managed to pull together twelve whole songs. <laughs> That's pretty good. Two songs a year. Yeah, yeah. You take your time. I get it. Um, this and, guess, and we had recorded seven of them before. Did you? Well, yeah, because we had demoed them, I guess, in twenty seventeen, and then we started touring again. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Because that was the other thing. Once, like Mike had a uh, Mike had a liver transplant, so that was another right major big deal within the band you know mm-hmm. so once he got at once he got a new liver we were on the road uh from i'd say six months after he got his new liver we were on the road for almost like three three or four years straight <clears throat> so that didn't leave too much time for us to finish the record and so we just kept working on it in between tours which would be anywhere from three days to 
a couple of weeks, you know, so we've never really had a chance to to sit down with it and really get into it until we were forced to stay home. And that's really when all the work, like the, the final pieces of it came together because we finally had the time to mix it and um, to finish arranging some of some of the music so that Mike could do all of the, of the uh, lyrics because none of, none of the, uh, except for maybe two songs that we were doing live, Mike didn't have lyrics for any of that. So it just gave us time to put, put the record together that I don't think would have been possible had we just continued touring because it was just, <clears throat> it's just hard to focus on doing anything when you're on the road, you know, because you're just kind of stuck in a van or, or in a hotel. It's hard to really sit down and, and take care of business. I mean, you have to, but it's just easier when you're at home, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was it's always seemed like, for, for as long as I can remember, it seemed like I Hate God prioritizes touring. And I don't, and I, I mean that like in a good way, though. Um, like there's, you, you guys have the records, you have the music to back it up. And it's like you put out, you put out a record when you want to, right? And, uh, uh, but I'm sure you guys give a shit a little bit about what people think of the albums. Now that the album, A History of Nomadic Behavior has been out for, since March, how did, how did, did that one go over? I would say mostly good. And I think that the, of course, with every record, there's some kind of a change in, in the sound. I mean, it'll always sound like an IA God record, but there, like, every single record's different. And this one, is definitely different because of all the things that I mentioned before that were going on when we were putting it together. So <clears throat> most people were very receptive to it because it was something that like we kind of stepped out and took some chances as far as, as, as the style of the music that we're playing, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a song where Jimmy does like a, um, you know, most of, of I God stuff has been, you know, power chords, single notes and feedback, you know, on this record, Jimmy did a couple of things like just a, a different chord, you know, <laughs> something so simple, but it really kind of changes the mood of a song or or whatever. You know, we just kind of stepped out a little bit because <clears throat> I guess when we're thinking about uh, the music that influences us, it doesn't all come from uh, it doesn't all come from one genre. So there's not any boundaries. It's like there's nothing that says that we you know, have to do a hardcore part or we have to do a slow part or, you know, it's just, it's just not that, um, just not planned out like that. That's kind of what I think makes our music cool is that it's, it's spontaneous in that, like whatever we think in at the time is kind of what comes out in, in a song. Yeah. And so you got six or seven years worth of that kind of thing going on of just these songs that's kind of forming themselves without any kind of intention, you know, with, of course, you know, there's, um, <laughs> there's a, you know some kind of minute arrangement of the whole thing. It's not like just some free form jazz thing we do, <laughs> <laughs> but we do like to maintain like the the the, the liveness and spontaneity of it. And so I think <clears throat> that was what made this record different. And some people that you know they just want to hear like what we did, you know, for Take His Need for Pain or mm-hmm. or Dope Sick, which are all great records. But you know it doesn't it isn't the same thing as those records. So some people were lost on that, but I think most fans dug it because just like all the rest of the records, it's a step in a different direction. And I think that keeps it interesting. You know, you could do, you know, these these blues riffs forever, you know, but if you don't do something. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Interesting with them, and it just it sounds like your last record, and that's what we really, like, we're interested in, like, in progressing, at least um, in the way we sound, maybe not... Um, as far as technical proficiency goes, but just the, the evolution of our sound is what we could, we're concerned about. Yeah, yeah. I think the the two bands that I always hear mentioned as influences. And this is this isn't you guys saying it, but people saying it for you as influences for I Hate God are always um, Black Flag and Black Sabbath. And like I un, I understand what everybody's saying, right? But I do like. But, but what? Mm-hmm. But what do you? What do you think are the less obvious? influences for i hate god the stuff that people probably wouldn't wouldn't catch just on the first listen where you're pulling uh well for this record in particular i think both uh both aaron and myself got heavy into uh into miles davis like uh i couldn't stop listening to, uh the kind of blue i listened to it over and over and over again you know to where like maybe subliminally like there's that kind of the, the rhythmic styles that you're hearing, you know, with, with his band, mm. you start to incorporate into what we do. I mean, that's kind of less obvious. And then Aaron's, um, I mean, Aaron's kind of a, a whole wealth of, of musical knowledge himself. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of something besides like Almond Brothers. That's another one that's kind of not really mentioned as much as say like Skinner, yeah. you know, because that's one of our our heavy influences too is Skinner, but. Also, like the Almond Brothers, good. It's like a, you know, just good, good jam, like a, good rhythm, um, like a. Just has a good feel that, I don't know. Sometimes I guess we end up mimicking through, what we do, behind the, you know, the wall of Black Flag and the wall of Sabbath. You know, yeah, there's yeah. all these, um, like Jimmy's heavy still into, into John Lee Hooker and and Sunhouse especially. You know, that's like something when you listen to it, you, when you listen to it, you're not thinking like, oh, man, that kind of sounds like I hate God. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not at all. <laughs> but it's a feeling, you know, and I think that's what that's what we all taking from the from the different non-obvious influences is the feeling from all these different kinds of music and then mixing it with, you know, fucking Family Man or whatever, you know, Black Flag and, mm-hmm. and then seeing but what comes out of that. You know, that's what's kind of interesting to me is taking something that's, you know, way out of the box, like something that doesn't even belong in our genre, and then throwing a, little, a hint of it in there just to make it a little bit different, and it'll be that nuance that'll, that'll catch your ear every time, you know, or, or, or maybe it won't. But yeah. that's our intention is for it to be, you know, some fun music to listen to. 
Yeah, that's awesome. No, and I and I, and I love those answers. And I, I feel like there's a lot of most um, most musicians have that in their sound, but it's hard to it's, it can be hard to pick out unless you know, you know. And because we don't have the same, not listening to it with the same ear. Um, did, did you feel like the, um, a history of nomadic behavior got got the same amount or the proper amount of um, of I don't know proper shot with people, proper support, being that you weren't able to immediately tour on it? I think so because it gave people a chance to sit and listen to it yeah. for a while. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas usually, you know, we'd release the record and be out on tour, you know, like a month after or something, you know, like that's usually how it would go. But this time around, everybody got to sit around and listen to it. And I think Century Media did a really good job of like getting it out there with all the, I mean, it was like four or five singles for it. And they, you know, they had us on, you know, you know, Pandora's, um, you know, 30 years of I hate God and like all this cool promotion leading up to the record. So I think that between the record, uh, between Century Media, like really being behind it and people having nothing to do except checking out everything that Century <laughs> Media was putting out for us, you know? Yeah. It worked out good because, you know, now we go out and play these songs like we play within a 40 minute set we do like three of the new songs uh-huh. and so when we play some of these songs especially the ones that you know that were picked for the singles people know the songs and that's amazing i mean you it's it's uh when you start playing a new song and i mean this is this is gore's audience too you know like yeah more than half of the crowd knows it that's a good feeling you feel like you've actually made a connection and that you wrote something that was worth remembering because yeah, that's, now you got all these people jamming out to your new shit. <laughs> that, it's a great point. I, I was I was saying the same thing about people releasing bands releasing records during a time when everybody's essentially locked down. You t- kind of had a captive audience, and uh, you know nobody else, nobody had anything to do but listen to these records. Um, I think maybe we got a little oversaturated, but I think a lot of people towards the end started putting out records because that's all they could do. But uh, but I think it was good for the listener. Um, what just out of my curiosity, do you play the everyday everything song live? Because that song makes me miserable. <laughs> yes, that's our that's the last song that we play on our set. That's one of our favorites too, man. Because it's just such a it's a, a truthful song. It's yeah, something that I think we could all identify with. You know, I mean, if you're a human, yeah, and, and yeah. you're and you're forced to work and and exist in this society. I think that everybody shares that that same uh, that same sentiment, <laughs> and it's fun to play too because it reminds us us of like of a, of a black flag. That's like we call that that song uh, when we were writing. We used to call it uh, "Old Flag," you know, because it just has that that creepy crawl sound to it. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, I man, that's one of our favorites too, man. As simple as it is, it's a it's a cool song. It is. It's, I like how it's right there at the, the end of the record. It makes it especially memorable. And like you said, it's kind of, it kind of sucks because it's because it's because it's true. <laughs> yeah, like it's like yeah, damn it, that's exactly right. And uh, which made me think of something. Like I was listening to a lot of I Hate God lately, and I was like, man, I don't have fun when I listen to I Hate God. I love it, but I don't. I don't enjoy. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 not like wow, this makes me feel good. I still love the music, but damn, it must be. Is it is it tough playing this shit all the time? Is it tough being up on stage playing songs that can bum you out so hard? No, because we don't play them from uh, we don't really play them from from that place. You know, like we play yeah. them 
because we're excited about playing live with one another and, and playing in front of people. And not to, but not to say that, that, you know, what went, what went into making those songs wasn't a, a, a miserable part of somebody's life. You know, that, that's, that's something for sure. We all, um, we all deal with, you know, I mean, well, so does everybody in this world, but yeah. that's where I think a lot of these songs are written from, you know, from, <clears throat> from all the years of, you know, kind of shit luck, you know, whether we brought it on ourselves or whether it just came at random and you just turn around and make some good music out of it. And maybe when you're writing and you're like, you're fucking pissed or <laughs> whatever your feeling is at the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when you're playing it live, it's it's different. It's uh it's a different kind of energy. Like it becomes something of a of a of a celebration uh, or an or an outlet for for us too. You know, like like you said, you don't listen to it to to have a good time. But <laughs> 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 well, we're we're playing it because uh, I don't know for for years of of a bad time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but we're having fun now, so right. that's what counts. That's right. Yeah, I but, got you. <clears throat> well, the, I got. I was. No, the just, energy is just because we love to play the music. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand. The uh, I, I forget <laughs> when exactly I came across "I Hate God." I want to say it was on a Century Media sampler back in probably late nineties. Um, but you weren't in the band back then. You joined in the early two thousands, like, like about twenty years ago. You you got in, right? Yes. So what was where did I mean, being that you're from the area, what was your introdu- introduction to I Hate God? When I was about 14 or, I guess, 15, I used to do shows. I had, a, I had a hardcore band in high school, and we were all like the young kids, you know, so we couldn't get into none of the bars or whatever. So we started doing shows at these uh, at these uh, Lions Halls. But wait, you know what? I take this back. This is... I'm going. I'm, my timeline is wrong. <laughs> my introduction. <laughs> my timeline. It's, it's, it's like 30 years ago. So <laughs> I should be excused a little bit. You are. But um, no, my introduction was actually uh, they were opening for um, they were opening for Exhorter and Soylent Green. Okay. And it was um, Exhorter used to play all the time. That's a very New Orleans like show. Green's. Oh, dude, it was a great show, man. It was like in 90. 19- 1989 that was oh, in 89 wow. so exhorter was on fire they're on the peak yeah i mean they're the most ama- amazing lineup back then and then uh i think it was soylent greens might have been their first show um yeah i think it was their first show and then i hate god and <clears throat> at the time it was it was like it was a ton of feedback like more, like if you were into noise mm-hmm uh, like you know, like SPK or Masana, whatever. It, that that's like what what appealed to me was like the just the oscillating frequencies of fucking feedback coming at you. And then you know everybody back then loved the Melvins. Mm-hmm. That was like a a life changing thing for a lot of people around here. So <clears throat> that was the con- it was feedback and the Melvins and and Mike uh, Mike insulting everybody every time that they played from start to finish of the set. <laughs> so the first time I saw him, I thought it was great, man, because it was a, it was a break from, from the norm back then because everything was either, like, you know, really tight, like hardcore, like everybody's in agnostic front and Cro-Mags and, you know, DRI and what have you. Or you were, like, you know, a tight thrash band, like 
you know, Destruction or Creator or, you know, whatever that kind of music. <clears throat> but there wasn't nobody making fucking noise like that, dude. It was amazing. You know, to me, it was amazing. To me and about 15 or 20 other people, <laughs> uh, it was amazing. <clears throat> but ever since then, man, I've been a fan of the band since the first time I saw them. Just because it was just such a different thing to hear. Like, kind of like when you listen to hardcore and you discover Flipper. You're like, whoa, that's, that's like, that's fucking left field or, or butthole yeah. surfers. You know, like something that really like comes from the from come, comes from around the other way you know like something you're not expecting at all <clears throat> and for those times you know that was like that was fucking way out you know like everybody was trying to like control their feedback you know like with these noise gates and whatever you know mm -hmm. but not i god <laughs> <laughs> no always always a very different sound and of course the the like when i was a kid you know the name was the first thing where i was like what the fuck is this and then but then the sound was really something like what the fuck is this you know this is and and on those early um not early but on those century, century media comps that i think i heard it on i think i think i'm recalling it correctly the century media identity mm -hmm. comps is what i remember them being like identity 4 identity 5 whatever but there was there was a great mix of bands on there but and it but it was and it was all over the place it would be like uh, Iced Earth and I Hate God and Marauder and Turmoil and Opeth and but I but I hate all those bands are very different but I Hate God always had just a total different vibe and uh, and it's like it was going for something else it wasn't it and I don't, I don't I still don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain the band to and I think it's a I think it's a very cool and unique thing especially in uh, what you can broadly just call heavy metal or just rock and roll um, what. So you've been with them now for like 20 years. You've mm -hmm. put out two full lengths and a few other records in there. What, what's been the highlight of your time in I Hate God up to the... Wow, that's a good one there. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to release music is, is, a, is to me a, a top priority. Like I, I, I'm honored to be on the records that I'm on. So to me, to, to be a part of a couple of releases was a big thing for me. Um, other than that, man, just, uh, all the cool places that we end up playing this music, you know, some places that I didn't think I'd ever see, you know, we've been all over Indonesia, you know, South Korea, Philippines, you know, all over mainland Europe, all these super cool places that I'll, you know, like most people that live in New Orleans, like for instance, like my parents, mm -hmm. <clears throat> the idea of like leaving the city is like going to like Biloxi, Mississippi, which is like a couple of hours away. <laughs> right. Or if you're going on like a real long vacation, you go to Florida. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or if you're like, you're, you're like super adventurous, you go to Mexico. Wow. So, <laughs> so mo yes, I'm, so most people around here don't really get, get to leave and, and see a lot of the stuff that we've seen, you know, like a lot of the cool countries and all the, the, the historic sites and, and, the people that we've met too is, is a major part of it because I mean, that's kind of what we're doing is, is we're going around and hanging out with friends everywhere and, and jam. And that's kind of like how we think about it. But to, to be some of the places that we've been like Greece is one of my favorites, uh, Lima, Peru. Um, so many cool places that we've been that, I mean, I love to travel. I like to, I take a bunch of pictures everywhere I go because if I don't take pictures, I won't remember any of the places that I've been. And uh, <clears throat> maybe one day somebody else will care about looking at them. But 
really it's it's the aside from putting out the music it's it's uh all the time that we spend in all these cool places you know with with my four best friends my three best friends yeah you know we're, we're, it's um not many bands get to do it man you know it's like a lot of killer bands mm-hmm. you know they just don't have we've been given a lot of cool opportunities so i'm just thankful for all of that kind of stuff so that's what i that's what i enjoy the most is just just moving man just keeping keeping on the road and and you know hanging out with some new people and you know seeing new cities or whatever man until we can't do it anymore that's awesome and i know you're going to, you're at least planning to go to europe and i'll ask you about that in a minute but you you mentioned the photography do you do you have like a you, you bring a camera with you or are you just taking pictures with other with like your phone and stuff or are you like really into really into the photography i used to bring a uh one of those is not like a super expensive Canon, but like one of those mm-hmm. Canon. I think it was like a three fifty or what? It's like a three hundred dollar camera. Yeah, <clears throat> but that's what started my interest in taking pictures, and I would just take pictures of anything, just whatever, just like as a study to, you know, to figure out how to adjust to taking pictures at night or, you know, taking pictures at shows, but just kind of doing it as a hobby and and without any kind of um, like formal education about it. It's all just I do it just from just from what looks good to me, you know, and and I started doing it with this Canon, <clears throat> but then I started to just do it with my phone because I started to realize that most of the pictures that I was getting didn't really have too much to do with the camera, you know, it's more about like your perception and like if you see something cool like in a split second or, you know, just like when you're driving down the highway and you see like a fucking... 60 foot cross or something ridiculous like that you know <laughs> just just an exercise in speed you know like, can you pull your camera out fast enough and get a focused picture of it kind of thing yeah so that's kind of how i taught myself and then from that point on i don't really i don't i just kind of look at things like um like if you're painting a picture with a with a photograph kind of thing but really i can't say that i'm um professional at all i mean it's just all for fun yeah, but all right. So I was I looked through your Instagram earlier today, and I noticed the the photography thing. And you it's, you seem like you know what you're doing. I mean, I'm a total untrained eye type of person, but uh, the the pictures you take do look very cool. And I think now with technology the way it is, I think the phone's all you need. I mean, I don't fucking know. I don't know anything. But from from my perspective, you do take cool pictures, and uh, they, they look great to me. So I, that's interesting that you brought it up. Oh. That's why I wanted to ask. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I I enjoy taking pictures. I do it all. I do it all day at home. Yeah, and you know, just in my backyard, I'll take pictures of you know, bugs or <laughs> whatever, man. You know, just whatever looks cool. You know, because that's kind of what I I do. I just look around and like, oh man, that's cool. And you know, even if it's something that's insignificant, maybe just like a like the sunset dropping behind like the house next to me, it just looks cool. Uh, for no reason, not for Instagram or anything. I'll just take a picture of it, just just to have it on my phone, I guess. You know, not yeah. for really any reason. No, that's 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 very cool. You mentioned bugs, and this it just reminded me earlier today that there was a fruit fly flying around my house, and to me, that's probably the bug that I hate the most. What is the bug that you hate the most? Ooh, well, in New Orleans. <clears throat> The flying cockroach is at the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about that. <laughs> because, ooh, yeah, they're they're, um, they're like they're like uh, I guess maybe like three three inch roaches, like like cockroaches, you know. Yeah. And they come out during the summer primarily, 
and when it gets pretty bad, they start to make their way into your house, and you'll see them up on the wall, and they see you coming to, <laughs> to kill them, and then they fly, and it's, it can be terrifying if you, if you don't like insects. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're probably like the most annoying ones around. Those are mosquitoes, like mosquitoes during the summer here yeah, yeah. are awful. <clears throat> but the roaches are really like, uh, most people here don't like those just because they're, I mean, they're harmless. Right. I used to live in a house that was infested with them and they would crawl on your arms and you'd just flick them off or whatever. So they don't bite you or anything, but, um, gross you out. yeah, definitely unpleasant. Yeah. Nasty. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I lived in Baltimore, the, you know, it was row homes. So you'd get roaches no matter what roaches and mice, no matter where you lived, you were going to get them. And, uh, those fuckers were big and, uh, disgusting, but they didn't fly. So they, at least I had that going. All right, so you mentioned They've evolved here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want. To, I don't want nothing to do with that. But you mentioned the uh, the going to Europe, and I know you've got a tour planned with Svetlana's Svetlana's in uh, in April, uh, mm-hmm. mostly in it. And uh, how? And I'm I'm also myself planning to go to Europe around the same time. Is there? How much do? You, or is there any concern that that's not actually going to happen? Always just. The same as with this U.S. tour, you know, mm-hmm. we thought with all the precautions that we took that we would be safe, and we weren't. So what's to say that that couldn't happen in Europe, you know? Right. That's, that's definitely something that's in the back of our head right now, especially being fresh off of a tour that just got ruined by by taking a, a positive, or having a positive test. So <clears throat> it's definitely something we're thinking about, you know, it, it's... It's it's a major hit to be off a tour for ten days, <laughs> and it's and it's even a bigger hit when you got to be off longer. So we we definitely have that um, that in the back of our head going into this because it's different in Europe. You know, there's whereas in the U.S., you know, we have to take a test going into Canada. Mm-hmm. In Europe, we're doing fourteen countries. Right. What are the rules between all of them? What are the rules between all of them? And yeah. And, you know, how does that even happen? Like, logistically, I don't even know. But whoever's our, our booking agent, uh, Mad Booking, I mean, they've been trying to book us for two years. Yeah. You know, they just keep putting in, in, in the bids, you know, to, to keep it so that if things open up, you know, we're first up. But you just don't know what's going to happen. It's so far away. It's, I mean, well, it's not really that far away. It's only four months away. But just think about how things change and how 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 fast they change, and you know, for the better or for the worse. So I always just I, I try to maintain an optimistic perspective and and hope that you know me thinking that way you know helps it along to stay in that way. But there's no guarantee of anything. So yeah, yeah, we'll that's see all what you, happens. That's all you can do, right? <laughs> I mean, my my wife and I are supposed to go over to Milan, which I know the Svetlanas are actually based out of this day in Olga. I know they live there. And, uh, and like, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at like, uh, we don't know what we have to do exactly yet, but we'll have to do something. So let's just set it up and figure it out and hope it works out. So that's, <laughs> that's all you can do, you know, and get insurance on your flight. <laughs> yeah, we <did. laughs> we made sure to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, Gary, I don't think I have much else, much else for you. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. Oh, thank you for reaching out and, and talking about our band. We appreciate it for sure. And, um, yeah, we hope to be out sooner than later so they can get back to business. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
why I'm losing sleep. I'm scared of going to sleep. I'm losing sleep. I'm scared of losing sleep. I, I lock all the I'm scared of losing sleep. Put my table up and losing sleep. 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 So there you have it. That was my conversation with Gary of I Hate God. The song you just heard was Everything, Every Day, which we talked a little bit about. It's miserable, isn't it? Not a fun song to listen to, but apparently a fun song to play. I want to thank Gary for taking the time to have that conversation. As I mentioned, uh, I love I Hate God. I've been listening to I Hate God for a very long time, and I suspect that will continue for the rest of my life. Okay, so... Let's end this with a song. How about a song from Brazil? How about a song from Stonehouse on Fire? They got a new record coming out on Electric Valley Records in January. What's the exact date? January 28th. January 28th will be the new album called Time is a Razor from Stonehouse on Fire. This is the second single off that album. It's called Despite... And uh, you can check it out all over the place, but especially right here, right now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Getting It Out Podcast. Bye-bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.